I want to share a passage with you this morning. Um, I've just been asking the Lord what what He wants me to share, and um, I want to I want to show you some things about how God in the Old Testament shows up and how it connects to us right now. Because we don't really, we don't really use the Old Testament very much. I feel like we kind of glaze over that stuff. And I, I just want to I want to show you that the heart of God hasn't changed. Like from, from what you read, what we read in the Old Testament to what we read in the New Testament to, to right now, his heart hasn't changed. Like it's the same. And, uh, and, and I just want to pull some stuff out um, to, to kind of illustrate um, my point this morning. This, this kind of was his plan and how he orchestrated all this to show us something that just blew my mind this week. Um, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 5. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your, your Bible or your smartphone. Um, so in 1 Kings chapter 5, let me kind of set the stage for you real quick. Uh, Solomon, he was a pretty smart guy. He was the king of Israel, uh, known as the wisest man, um, apart from Jesus, that, that ever lived. And, and he was uh, just brilliant. He was the king of Israel. His father was David. And David was the king for a while. David was known after, as a man after God's own heart. Him and God walked together. And, uh, and David wanted to build this temple um, to symbolize the presence of God in Israel. And David wasn't able to because there was war that was always going on. Israel was always being fought. People were always kind of coming up uh, against them. And so, so David wasn't able to build a temple, but... The Lord promised David that someone in his lineage would build a temple. And so I want to kind of jump in this, and it's in 1 Kings chapter 5. You can kind of jump in with me. Looking at, at verse, we'll start at verse 3, and it, it says this. Listen, uh, Solomon says, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the warfare with which his enemy surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. So until David had victory and kind of calmed things down in the, the area of Israel. In verse 4 it says, But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. He's given me rest. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the Lord my God. Um, you see, I believe that, that, that this, um, I, I believe that everything that happens in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what God not only did in the New Testament, but what he's doing now. It's a foreshadowing to kind of give us an insight, a peek into God's heart and what he started doing back then and how it carries over to right now. So, so follow this. David is in the middle of war and turmoil, and he can't build a temple. And so Solomon gets to be able to build this temple. He brings, uh, the Lord brings peace into the nation of Israel, and then he can build this temple. All the warfare had gone. There was no, there was no struggle. There was no battle. There was, there, was just, there was just a sense of calm. And so the Lord brought this peace to Israel so that a temple could be built. 
which is, once again, a symbol of the dwelling place of God. Now get this. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's what Jesus has done for us in the here and the now. He is actually, because of the sacrifice that he gave on the cross, he's actually brought in a season of peace in our lives to prepare us to be a temple for the Lord. He brought us to a place of peace that leads to the presence of the Father. Did you know that you're a temple of the Lord? Every single person in here has the ability to carry the presence of God with them. In the here and the now, today, He's not here because he's, he owns this building, although he does. He's here because as a follower of Jesus, he's prepared a place of peace in your heart. Now, you might be going, dude, I, uh, I understand that, but I don't have peace in my life. I don't have uh, good fortune. I don't have favor. I don't have blessing. Man, my life is a wreck. I believe that God orchestrates all things to get us to the place where we can experience his peace. I don't know where you're at, but I believe that the Lord is trying to help us understand that we are his temple. We're the carrier of his presence. If you don't feel qualified to be the carrier of the presence of God. Let me just explain something for a moment. Y'all know Solomon? Do you know his story? Think about this. Solomon was whose son? David. Right? And who was David's wife that had Solomon? Bathsheba. Now, how did David and Bathsheba get together? Adultery and murder. You want to talk about a soap opera? Soap operas think they had their original idea. Nah, just read the Old Testament. It's there. Murder, killing, strife, all that kind of fun stuff, right? King David, a man after God's own heart, commits adultery with a married dude, with, his, with a married dude's wife. Not with a married dude. That's a whole different ballgame. It's a different story. Altogether, we'll get there. <laughs> King David commits adultery with a married guy's wife. She gets pregnant. And so David has the husband killed so that he can marry Bathsheba. The first child that's born dies. And then along comes Solomon. Have you ever found something out in your history that just blew your mind? Like in a bad way? About your family? Yes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, You know, like that that one moment where you're just hanging out with your family and you find out that like your your second cousin married your third cousin or like something. And you're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh. 
You find out where you come from, right? Your parents aren't as clean as you thought they were. Your grandparents aren't as clean as you thought they were. Like, yes, okay, we all have that. Um, I've said for a long time, it's, it's not a family get-together in my family unless someone goes to jail. Um, that's usually, we've arrived as a family when someone, someone goes to jail. But, um, but seriously, like, like, that was Solomon's heritage, He's the product of illegitimacy. He's the product of murder. He's the product of, of adultery. But yet he was commissioned to build the temple, the presence of God. If you feel, and, and see, this is, this is God's heart. Like, understand, you can find God's heart in the Old Testament. Like, like, this is God's heart, that if you feel disqualified, whatever you think is disqualifying you from actually walking with God, and God walking with you, and Him speaking to you on a regular basis, and Him empowering you to do things for, this king, for His kingdom, if you think there's anything that disqualifies you, I'll show you how to fix that. Take your Bible and open it up. And then put your finger down and read the first person that you come to. Anybody. I don't care who it is. Any person in the New Testament, any person in the Old Testament, we are carrying a history of murder, adultery, sin, brokenness, lust, Whatever it is, fill in the blank. That is our heritage. But yet the Lord allowed somebody like Solomon. He afforded him peace so that he could build a temple. The Lord is wanting to give you peace so that you can realize you're a temple. He's wanting to give you peace to recognize that you are a carrier of the presence of the Lord through what Jesus did. How beautiful is that? There's nothing that disqualifies you. There is nothing that you have done. And what blows my mind about this is when you put Jesus in the picture, he forgives past, present, and future. Did you know that I can fast forward just a few chapters and it says that Solomon, do y'all know what Solomon's vice was? Like what his struggle was? Anybody? Women's. Not just women. Women's. All right? It's Wahlberg. Women's. He liked him some women's. Lots of them. He had what was known back that day as a harem. Now, I don't understand why you would want more than one wife. But, uh... For whatever reason, Solomon thought it'd be a good idea to have a, another wife. And, and not just another, but fast forward a few chapters, it says he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. What in the world? Like, what does that even mean, right? What's the difference? Sheesh. You know what that means? He had a thousand troubles. That's a, I'm sorry. Women, I'm, ju- I'm totally just picking on that, for real. But, but literally, like, I, that just blows my mind. Like, dude, one wife, man, it's, it's plenty. So women was Solomon's vice. Now get this. <laughs> Same guy that allowed, that, that God allowed to build the temple. 
the symbol of the presence of the Father. Fast forward a few years, and what's he doing? He's got 700 wives, 300 concubines. He's letting all kinds of different gods come into Israel. He's, he's letting idolatry run Israel. Now, does God know everything? Yeah, sure he does. Did God know that Solomon was going to do that? Yeah, he sure did. But yet, God allowed Solomon to build the symbol of the presence of God in Israel. That right there proves to me (laughs) that when Jesus enters the picture for us, when the heart of God is seen in your life, when you truly begin to understand the heart of God in your story, sin becomes a non-issue. And I'm not saying that that gives you a free ticket to do whatever you want. But I'm saying God knows your tomorrow. God knows your 10 years from now. God knows everything about your story. And you know what he says? I love you. My heart is for you. I want you to be my temple. I want to to dwell in you. I want to work with you. I want to co-labor with you. Yeah, you're going to sin. Guess what humanity does? But I am bigger than that. That's what he says. God looks at us from an elevated sense. He looks at us, listen to this, as we are in eternity. When God sees you, he sees an eternal you that transcends all of the struggle and the strife and the sin that we have. And you know what? When we understand that God sees us as an eternal being, when I understand that I'm going to walk in eternity with him, and that I'm going to be in unlimited, unhindered community with him forever, that is where freedom comes from. Because listen, if I sin tomorrow, so what? Now, do I want to sin tomorrow? No, that's not my heart. But if I do, the cross has covered that. That's where freedom comes from. A life unhindered understands that you're the temple of the presence of the living God regardless of your behavior. And when you begin to understand that, that's where your behavior begins to be altered. Like I said last week, I don't even know if you were here, but talking about changing our atmosphere. The atmosphere of our lives needs to change. If you go to Florida, most of the time it's sunny and warm. Every now and again it'll be cold there. But the majority of the time you go to Florida, it's sunny and warm. You know what the atmosphere of your life needs to be? Sunny and warm for the presence of the Lord. Yeah, every now and again it's going to get rainy. Snow's going to fall. Something freak weird's going to happen. But most of the time, when we understand this, the atmosphere of our life is sunny and warm. <laughs> and when it's sunny and warm, when we understand we're hosting the presence of the Lord, that's where fruit grows. That's where fruit comes from. When the sun and the warmth of the presence of the Father lays on our heart, the soil is tilled, and all of a sudden... Stuff happens. 
There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience. All this stuff comes out. Every now and again, miracles show up. That's what I'm asking for. That's what I want to see. We have to understand that we are called, listen to this, to operate out of the satisfaction of God. Did you know that God is satisfied with you? He's satisfied with you because of what Jesus did. When he looks at you, he is so full of joy and love and satisfaction. He says, that's my son. That's my daughter. I stink and love them. If you have kids in the room, you understand that. Do your kids drive you nuts? Yes. Sometimes I want to slap my son's face off. We're going to do a whole series on that, all right? How to slap your son's face off in the name of the Lord. But man, I love him. Like, I love him so much. My heart is so for him. My heart is so for, I will never slap my daughter. Like, I know that for a fact. Like, I'll never slap her. She is way too sweet. I don't want to mess up that beautiful face. Now, I will pop her bottom until she gets older. Then that's weird. But my goodness, like my heart is for my kids. If you're a parent, you understand that. Dude, as a child of the, of, of the king, his heart is for you. His heart is always for you. Operate out of that satisfaction. Operate out of that satisfaction. So let's jump, let's jump forward here real quick. I want to I fast forward a few, a few verses, a few chapters actually. Look at 1 Kings 8 because I want to kind of jump to the culmination of, of what happens when Solomon actually gets this temple built. Okay, so, so Solomon works for like, I think it's like 11 or 12 years, 13 years, something like that. It's a long time to build this temple. Um, and he builds this massive structure, and it's beautiful. I mean, it is, it is amazing. And that day, it was like Taj Mahal. It would make this building look like junk, all right? Like a trailer, like off, like just, like it's, yes. Um, not that trailers are bad. I'm not, let me go ahead and preface that. Yes. <laughs> Open foot, insert mouth. Um, so, Solomon, so Solomon builds this temple, right? And it's beautiful. And he spent all this time and effort on it. And, um, and, and they, they finally get the building open. Right? They begin to dedicate this temple. And they do all these sacrifices and all these songs. And, and like all this stuff is happening. And, and then the last thing that they do is they bring in the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, Ark of the Covenant was the symbol of the, the presence of the Lord. It's where the presence of the Lord was, was said to reside in, in the Old Testament um, stuff. If you read through anything in the Old Testament, you'll see the different parts of the Ark of the Covenant and how it symbolized the presence of the, God, of, of the Father moving about in Israel. And so, so that's the last thing that they want to do. They get everything ready. They set the stage. They prepare the table, right? And then, and then they're going to bring in this Ark of the Covenant and so they do that. And there's, like I said, there's all these songs and sacrifices and, and the priests are doing their thing. And, and this, the Ark of the Covenant is like this big box and it's got these big long poles and, and the, the, the priests are like carrying this thing in and they, they bring it into this place called the Holy of Holies. That's, the, that's like the holiest place in the temple where, where, where God's presence is going to reside. And it says this, listen to me, chapter 8, um, 
starting in verse 10, it says, And when the priests came out of the holy place, so they dropped in the Ark of the Covenant, and they start walking out. When the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of that cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. They drop in the Ark of the Covenant, they walk out, and boom, this cloud that was a natural manifestation. It was a natural showing up of the supernatural presence of God in that place. So heavy that the ministers could not minister. The priests could not minister. Guys, I want to tell you one of the reasons why I believe in miracles. I want to tell you why I believe that, 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 that people's legs and, and, and hearts and arms and physical bodies being healed still exist. Like, let's, let's, let me just, aside from the fact that last week we heard of a, a, a lady being healed of cancer, okay, so like, let's just wipe that. Let's pretend that doesn't exist. I want to tell you why I believe in this, regardless of any of the miracles that we've already seen. The reason why I believe in this and the reason why that I believe prophecy still exists, and the reason why I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit still exist, the reason why I believe that, that God wants to give us tangible, real gifts in this world is because of that verse. It's because the Lord wants to show up in a tangible way, in the, in the natural world, that is a symbol of his supernatural presence. Like there's so much going on in the supernatural that we cannot see with our physical eyes and we can't comprehend with our natural brains because we're humans and we can't understand his ways. There are so many things that the Lord is orchestrating in the supernatural that he says, I'm going to dumb it down for you guys. <laughs> That's what he does. That's what miracles are. Miracles are actually the dumbed-down version of what God does in the supernatural. When you see someone's leg healed or a body taken care of or cancer cured, you know what that is? That's actually the heart of God speaking to us going, I want to heal you spiritually. I want to cleanse you so that you can be in eternity with me. Because in Revelation 21, it says, when he returns fully, there will be no tears There'll be no struggle. There'll be no sickness. That's the heart of God. He's actually given us foretaste of the supernatural presence of the, of the God that we serve. He's orchestrating things all the time. And then he dumbs it down and brings it down to a place that makes it edible for us. So, so think about this. Look at the progression. Solomon, broken, screwed up, messed up. Builds the temple. The priests, screwed up, messed up, sinful, broken, bring in the Ark of the Covenant. And then the presence of the Lord falls. 
because they set the table for the presence. The, the word glory means weight. It means, it means, it means like, like heaviness. It means to experience something that, that, it, that is heavy. Sometimes that heaviness is awesome. <laughs> like I think about when it says in Scripture that when, when Jesus returns back, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Like I think of how heavy that's going to be. Like I, I don't even want to be standing up. Like I just want to get down. Sometimes that glory, that heaviness calls us to repentance because it's starting to shine light on those places where we're broken. And see, that's what Solomon and that's what the the priests and that's what they did. This was a a symbol of, of what God wanted to do in us. He's wanting us to set the table to host the presence of God. God shows up in a way that we can grasp. We literally have the ability to experience heaven touching earth. That's what Jesus prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can experience that. But let me explain the purpose. The purpose is his presence. It's not the miraculous for the sake of the miraculous. It's not healing for the sake of healing. It's the supernatural coming down and touching our world for the sake of his presence. That's what they were after in the Old Testament, and that's what I'm after today. I want the presence of the Lord in my life. So here's my question for you. When all the miracles are gone and your finances are out of order and there's storms brewing in your life, is the presence of the Lord enough? Do you want Him more than you want anything else? Because I can tell you right now, that's what he's asking of you. Is my presence enough? Do you want me more than you want anything else? Do you want God Almighty resting in you more than anything else? Because when we desire that, that's where we begin to experience the byproducts of the presence. Notice that it says that the priests could not minister. The priests couldn't minister. The priests could not do their job. What that says to me is that when the Lord shows up in a tangible, real way in our life, we can't go on with business as usual. We can't. to tell you a story very quickly to bring back around what Scott talked about by this this young man leading somebody to Jesus. I want to explain the progression of that just to just to, to to show you 
the orchestration of the Lord. So this small group pays for a worship leader from Charlotte to come play at their small group on Friday night and then to play on Saturday in downtown. They invite me and a few other people to come on Friday. And I'm sitting in a chair listening to this worship leader and I know he's gonna be playing on Saturday and I say, Lord, what do you want for tomorrow? And literally, as soon as I ask that, he goes, I want a concert of prayer. Like this concert right here, this guy's bringing it. Like I want all y'all to bring it. (laughs) I want a concert of prayer. Some of you can't play instruments. Some of you can't sing. I sit beside some of you that can't sing. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I want a concert of prayer. And so when we got downtown... I told everyone that showed up, I said, nobody leaves this place without being prayed for. Nobody leaves this place without hands being laid and and, and prayer going out. And we're just going to see what the Lord does. And now there's two people who are a son and a daughter of the king because of that not because we did anything special but because literally our hearts were after the presence of the Lord we want him so much don't care what it looks like Lord we'll do whatever and what blows my mind (laughs) is the kid that led the other kid to Christ was standing in the serving line serving pizza Like, he wasn't out praying with the people. He had a job to do, and his job was serve the pizza. This kid was standing in line, handing out stinking pizza. And the presence of the Lord came down in a tangible way. And when that happens, you can't go about business as usual. The pizza stops. Prayer happens, and a son meets Jesus for the first time. I mean, is that, that's just, that's nuts. Like, that is so nuts. And what else blows my mind is he wants that for every single one of us. So my question is, are you willing to not do business as usual? Are you willing, when the presence of the Lord comes and you begin to see it, Are you obedient? He'll tell you. Even if you're serving pizza in downtown High Point. Here's my verse to prove it. And then we're done. Psalm 14. It'll be on the screen. Listen to this. It says, the Lord looks down from heaven. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, to see if there are any who seek after him. Our Heavenly Father is looking for a place for his presence to be given in a real and tangible way. He's looking for a place. Now listen, if you're a follower of him, you've already got it. The Holy Spirit's in you. 
Like you're carrying the presence of God. But what he's doing is he's standing up looking not to judge, not to throw lightning bolts, but for somebody that goes, ah, yes, I'm loved. I'm free to serve because I'm loved. I'm free to move about because I love, I'm loved by the Father. You know why I can stand on this stage today? Not because I didn't sin this week, because I did, but because I know that there is a confidence that the Holy Spirit brings those who just say, here it is, God. I'm not afraid to admit that I'm broken. I'm not afraid to admit that I screw up. And if you want to use me, I'll do it. Are you willing to host the presence in a powerful way? Because he wants you to. But you have to want you to. I heard a statement a while back that you can't choose to go somewhere without equally choosing to leave the place you're standing. You can't choose to go somewhere without equally choosing to leave where you were. So if you're here today and you're going, I can't be used by God. I'm too broken. I'm too screwed up. I'm too messed up. You know what? (laughs) That's ripe soil for the heavens to open and the Holy Spirit to come down on you to empower you to change this community for the glory of the Lord.